Let's pretend that this isn't advice. And I'm Erin, and I'm not giving you advice. It's it's not advice. I can't help myself <laughs> give advice. I don't mean to. I don't want to. I want you to be able to live your life, but I know how to do it. I'm a huge know-it-all, and this is where I practice not giving advice to people. Except I totally give advice to them. I'm a lawyer turned professional certified coach, and I just happen to give the best advice. But this is a podcast, not a coaching session, so I obviously don't do that here, except I do. This is not advice with Erin Conlon, your know-it-all lawyer coach friend. This is not advice. So today's episode is with Anthony Bonazzo. Anthony is a personal trainer and a comedian, and I know him through the Chicago comedy scene. We talk about success. We talk about grinding. We talk about um, building relationships within the scene and good advice and bad advice. Uh, If you ever need a comedian for a private event, or if you are an agent who's listening to this, I highly suggest having a conversation with Anthony. In the meantime, um, please like and subscribe and share this podcast. And I am doing free discovery calls this month if you would like to learn about more about what it's like to work with me as your coach. Uh, I hope you all take care. Have a great day. Hi, Anthony. How are you? Hi, Aaron. Not in a mask. <laughs> yeah. How's it going? Tell me yep. what's going on with you. Not much. Uh, I've just been doing a lot of shows and working and trying to uh, pretend like the world is normal, (laughs) I Um, guess. I guess what everybody's doing. Yeah. So because not everybody knows you, who are you? Everybody knows me. They should know (laughs) me. (laughs) I'm Anthony Bonazzo. I'm a comedian and a personal trainer. Comedian trainer on Instagram. Very easy to remember. Most people are like you train so comedians, easy. and I'm like, no, this is maybe this is not as good of a name as I thought it was. Some guys like, oh, what do you like? Train comedians? How to be funny? And I'm like, no, this is <laughs> this is not working as like I thought I was going to. But yeah, well, so tell me about like your business. How did you weather the pandemic? Oh, it was pretty bad actually. Because uh, um, well, it actually wasn't bad. It was bad like in like mentally at first because I went into work and I've been, I was a fitness director at a private club downtown for like 13 years and they were already going to be closing. We knew this. And I like went in one day, like about two weeks before the pandemic and they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I got, I got clients and they're like, Oh, we're closed. I'm like, what do you mean? We're closed. Like we're at, we're, we're like out of business. We're done. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like I, I was told like it was going to happen in June and I'm like, okay, thank, thanks for the notice type situation. So I'm like, that's real great. Like place I've been for 13 years. Like this is how I, I find out. Wow. So then like three days later, we go into like this lockdown and I don't know what I'm going to do. So a lot of my clients were like, don't worry about it. We'll just pay you for the sessions and, you know, until we figure out what's, what, you know, what we're going to do. And then that didn't feel right either. Cause I was like, I don't want to be taking your money if I'm not even doing anything. So I was like, let's just you know, go on FaceTime and see how it goes. And, um, you know, a couple of people were, were like, no, I don't want to do that. And, and then they were resistant and then they came around mm-hmm. and then, um, pretty much everybody eventually got on board and there was a lot of cool things that happened too. Like I trained like this one guy and then I met his wife cause she would jump on some of the sessions and then I met some of his kids and I would train some of his kids and then I got to like know their whole family and, um, <laughs> did you move weird. in? Yeah, now I'm part of their family. Um, they adopted me. It's like I'm, a, I'm like a dog. I'm a rescue dog, a rescue Italian pup, a greyhound, um, more like a Shih Tzu. I don't know. Um, but um, they, it was actually cool. They came to my show a couple of months ago, so I got to meet them all live. It was, it was kind of weird to like meet. I've actually met people that I met like virtually and like become friends with, like with them too. So I thought it was interesting um, that, that this is like the world we're living in now. But. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the long story short, so everybody just converted. And I had one guy who actually moved. He moved to Los Angeles and I thought we were done. So I was panicking then too. I was like, oh, there goes a client. And he never really said anything like, thanks. He just like moved. And then he's like, what time are we meeting? And then we were just 
So we've just continued to meet. And That's another awesome. client, same thing. He moved, and I thought he was going to be like, we're done. And then he, you know, we just continued to meet. And now, I, I mean, like everything just flipped like a switch. And it was like, now here I am. Like instead of like live sessions, I'm doing them virtually. And I actually like it because it's, um, you know, I was commuting at one point going from like the South loop to the West loop back up North back mm-hmm. South. Like you're just driving all over the city all day to get like two or three appointments in. You're spending a ton of money on gas, um, and just parking and headaches and driving and traffic. And it's, it's convenient, you know, cause like most of the traffic is just coming from my bedroom to my living room. So it's, it's yeah. kind of, you know, you're like, you can't really complain. So it sounds like you made the transition pretty well. Like, yeah, there was a lot of things that could have gone wrong. And mentally I was preparing to like have a full blown meltdown and then it, it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But that's already like what it's like when you run your own show is like, you're always waiting for this bomb to go off that never really goes off, but you're always, that's what people don't get is like when you're doing your own, you know, thing. it's like, you're just like, always like, Oh no, <laughs> like today, say the day I just suddenly don't have an income. Yeah. I worry about that sometimes too. But I think one of the things that I've noticed is that when I have that fear place, like when I'm in that, like, Oh shit, where's the next client? It's usually because I don't trust myself. Right. It's the same thing with shows. Like I, I went through like a whole period, like recently in the last month where I was like, all right, I want to do shows, but I'm so sick of like emailing and like, getting no responses and I'm like, I'm just not going to reach out to anybody mm-hmm. and whatever shows I get, I'll do. Mm-hmm. And I got like, I did, I ended up doing like 20 something shows. I kept getting all these things and I was like, Oh my God, this is like, now it's getting like too much. Where like, that was like one of the promises I made to myself, like during lockdown was like not to go back to that point of where you're burning out and it's no longer fun. And you're just kind of going through the motions of comedy. So I took a step back and I'm like, all right, I'm going to take, and take like a week off uh-huh. and I did and it was nice I was like this is normal I got my apartment organized I did laundry I caught up with people I'm like this is like the nice yin and the yang of the way life should work you know yeah and then you get like back to that period where you're like oh no what if I'm not that good and what if I don't get shows again and then you start emailing and you don't hear back and then you're like you're back to that like insecure spot and then I was like whatever I'm like things are going to start piping up again and they did and now they're just like it's more balanced again and I'm okay because like it gives you the opportunity to write and take breathers and, you know, do other stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's not always like an open mic or a show. And sometimes the week- weekends at clubs can be exhausting too. You know, you're, you know, you're doing two or three shows on a night and then it's like, there goes your weekend. Yeah. It's, that's a lot of why I quit doing live performance. I just, I hated spending all that time in bars. I hate it. Like it was just so much of a grind to me on top of having a business, working full time as an attorney, trying to not get fat, like all of the things. It's a lot. It really is a lot. There's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that like can really exhaust you, you know, and you you just have to keep persevering and pushing. Otherwise you get kind of like, you know, not left back, but you know, you're just like, Oh, then you see like your peers are like selling ahead of you. And then you're like, well, what do I do? And then you get yeah. caught in the game and you know, well, what, what motivates you? It sounds like watching other people motivates you, but like, first of all, actually, let me, before we answer that question, what are you trying to achieve? Which, which should I answer first? What, what are you trying you? to achieve? Um, it's a good question. I would love to do like late night. I would love to do get like a special. I would love to be able to tour and do comedy and make money and not have to worry about, you know, paycheck to paycheck type situation. I would love like a dream job would be like right for a show, but also be able to tour and do comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that watching people motivates me. I think that I try really hard not to watch other people. Like I feel like I, I, it inevitably happens because if you go on social media, you, you see it. Even if you're just like, I just want to go on and post. And then you see like so-and-so, you know, is like, Oh my God, you know, like I did that. And it's like, okay. You know? So I try to like, just get in and get out. It's like the, you know, the jewel in Montrose. It's like, you're just, you, I want to get in and get out on Facebook, <laughs> you know, get in and get out of there. Uh, and sometimes you get sucked in and then you play this whole comparison game. But 
So I always like use the example of like, just pretend like I'm like a football player, like I'm a running back and I'm running and I'm looking only ahead and I try not to look over my shoulder because then you're going to get tackled. And if you mm-hmm. need to turn all the way around, you're going to get nailed or, you know, so I just try to just keep running and just keep plugging and just worrying about what I'm doing and stay f- so focused because all those other things will drag you down. You'll, you'll compare, you'll get depressed and it's just not helpful and productive. And it's like this own toxic thing that you suck yourself into. Mm-hmm. So I just try to, whenever I'm doing that, like, I'm like, all right. So if, if I just got upset that I read a or B or C on Facebook, what can I do to redirect my career and my goals back to myself? And then I'll like write a list and like, I could be doing this. I could be contacting this person. I could be doing, you know, a podcast. I could be mm-hmm. putting a clip together. I could be doing a show here or working on a one man show or whatever. And just always having like a list of goals And you're a trainer, like a physical fitness trainer and also a comedian. So you've got to rely on yourself a lot. Yeah. Um, How are you doing? (laughs) Are you okay? Yeah, I think I'm for the most part, I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of self-motivation and, um, you know, making sure that you're still enjoying what you're doing. Mm-hmm. finding something new whether that's so the same way i approach comedy is the same way i approach workouts you know it's like am i excited about this am i having fun would this be exciting for my client am am i exciting when i'm deliver delivering it to a client is it new is it unique mm-hmm. worth their money versus if they went some, to someone else like what do i bring that's unique that makes them want to keep coming back to me and my personal touch and you know, they do the same thing with comedy. It's like, what, what will, what will set me apart? What will make me be remembered more? And I think if you just kind of chronically just keep on going at it with that approach of like, well, how do I, how do I stay ahead? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that hard. Cause I don't, I don't think that there's comics that are not working hard. I think there's a lot of comics that are working it's like sometimes it's like busy work, you know, it's like like 400 mics a week and hang out and drink. And, you know, that's not to say that there aren't people that aren't working hard. Um, but when it's like really, really working hard, it's, it's very focused. It's not, you're not on social media sharing about how hard you're working. You're not on social media bragging about a show that you're doing you are like in the mud and in the thick of it and you don't have time to do that because you're you're so focused you're like laser focused you know yeah so well i think a lot of like what people see in comedy that social media seems to be a huge component to it like you have to put yourself on social media you have to be out there and it's also a huge distraction because social media is not the show social media is not where you like get people to respond to you in real time. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like a necessary evil. Yeah. Well, so we were kind of talking about like what you really want to do right for a show, be able to tour. How far do you think you're away from those goals? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I've submitted a couple of packets over the quarantine. So it's like Mm -hmm. things that I'm doing that I never, like, I was always like, well, how do I even do that? You know, it's like, how do I do that? Like, like, it's always like this, like weird thing with like stand up, probably maybe with improv too, particularly where it's like, you know, people are always like, well, how'd they get that? Like, so instead of like me, like being like, well, how'd they get that? And like getting mad or like wondering and, thinking, well, I guess I'll just have to wait and those things will happen. I'm just being a little more aggressive now where I'm like, all right, I'm going to figure out a way to do X or I'm just going to start asking, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've, that's what I've done in the last like years. Like I've started like asking questions, like how do, how does this happen? How do I go about this? Can I do this? And you'd be surprised. Like when you start doing that, like you find some really cool opportunities that are just like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't need an agent to, to do that. And I could have submitted to here without, you know, having the scenes approval that I'm like at this like level X or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's, so as far, 
So I don't know how far I am from achieving it, but I'm close than closer than I ever have only because I finally just, you, you sort of have to like come to terms with yourself and be like, well, look, look, no one's going to help you. Some people might, but no one's really going to actually help you, help you get to where you want to go. It's very like fend for yourself type mode here for some reason. You'll get like shows, you'll get booked at clubs and the local people may help you. Mm-hmm. Like if you really want to like go like next level, it's really going to be you and like what, what, what you, what you can do and you kind of like have to push yourself through that, that next barrier to get there. Yeah. Well, what I hear in that is not like that nobody will help you. It's more like it's on you to actually do the things to get to where you need to go. Yeah. Like, and it, yeah. Well, in that sense though, they aren't helping you because no one's going to actually hand you the information or even right. nobody can do it for you yeah. is really what you're saying. Yeah. But even a lot of times you won't even get answers. Like you'll be like, well, how do I go about that? And they'll, oh, you gotta just, you know, it's just like a very like to throw these like you're like dodge the answer or you know dodge the question. Yeah. So now it's just been more like okay, like I'm not getting the answer here. All right, I'm gonna go over here instead. And I think that for so long I would just like wait and you know, you know, like how do I do this or why don't I you know hear about X and and I still don't have a lot of the answers. <laughs> There's still like many mysteries, but I think I'm sort of like learning the business of like how stand-up all works and um it's 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 interesting you know there's definitely like some some constants and some patterns that you start to see you're like oh okay like this is how it works like you know when so and so can can do this and then that will lead to this and then this will lead to that and then that will lead to this like there's it's it's becomes sort of like predictable you know yeah well I'm curious about those patterns, but before we talk about that, I kind of want to hear why, why do comedy? Why do you need to, or want to get on stage and make people laugh? Um, so which, which should I answer first? That one. Why do I do it? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I, I mean, why would I want to be doing anything else? You know, it's like, you're, you're going up to like, this situation that you've chosen to put yourself in that's like super uncomfortable and you're trusting stuff that you wrote on the train or the bus to make an entire room full of strangers laugh. And I'm like, what kind of, what what greater high is there than than that? And then when it works and then when you get really good at it and then when you learn how to even be even better at it so that when the jokes don't work, you can then trust your own intuition, your own wit and your own improv skills to do the work instead of the jokes and the written material. It's like, it's, it becomes addicting because you're just like, I can handle anything. Like you go up there with this, this like confidence of just like, I can handle anything, any room, any person, any situation, nothing intimidates me. Mm-hmm. And that is such an amazing feeling because you don't always have that. People pretend like they have it in the beginning and there's a lot of like arrogance and it's like fake confidence and fake, you know, cockiness. Everybody's always scared for certain parts of their career. But then when you have been doing it for 12 or 13 years and you really start to trust yourself, that's when it really starts to get fun. Yeah. Well, how did you, like, what made you start doing comedy? Like, I know why, what made me start. I was miserable and depressed and I was watching scrubs and I was like, I had this realization that like, Oh shit. The, people write these shows. Right. <laughs> like I'd never thought about it before. And then I was like, there's a job where you get to write Scrub. jokes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I grew up, I am one of eight kids. I think that it was like, you're already doing stand up at the table growing up. It was like, you know, you would either get like, you'd either roast or be roasted. You know, it was like, <laughs> and it was like, you just, you know, I had like thick skin at like age 10, you know, cause it was like, you're just making fun of people at the table and, or they're going to make fun of you. So then I would like, I would like, I don't want to get made fun of. So I would like step up and be like, I would start doing like impersonations of family members and, you know, I mean, it's a huge family. It was scary, but it was like so fun because they're all older and they're drinking and you're sort of entertaining them as like your first comedy club experience at like 10 years old at a table full of 15 adults that think mm-hmm. it's hilarious when you do an impression of, you know, your dad or your sister or whatever. So that 
kind of like feeds into your confidence and then you go up on stage and you refine it and you find out like who you are on stage and it's you're just learning it's chronically like learning about yourself and trusting yourself and that's the coolest part is that like in the same breath of talking about like well nobody can hand you stuff and nobody can really truly help you like no one can teach you how to be yourself better than yourself. So when you have learned how to master stand up, but then also master trusting yourself and believing and having so much confidence in what you're doing, like that's the coolest thing in the world. Cause you're like, you're, you're like your own best advocate and you get to like, sort of like sit back and watch yourself and all the hard work, all the bombs, all the terrible shows, all the, open mics where you just like, we're like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, like there's a great payoff to that. Yeah. That, and when you get to that level that like, you get to like really truly enjoy it. You know, I think in the beginning I like let my writing lead me where it was like, well, I've got all these great jokes that I'm going to like, you know, are smart. And like, that's what I'm going to deliver. And it was like, but I couldn't really deviate off of that. I would like, it would be like, and I see that a lot, a lot of comics do that it's not like an abnormal thing where you just sort of stick to the script Mm -hmm. when you go to like an audience where they don't, you don't realize this in the beginning is like, sometimes you're going to go to an audience and they're not going to be ready to hear your, your jokes. And even if they're brilliant and you've got to like figure out like, well, okay, how do I, how do I navigate out of that situation? So then when you get really experienced and you can be like, Oh, I, I, I have to navigate by just being myself. That that's scary at first, but then when you do it, you're like, I don't have to rely on material. Like I could go up here and just do an hour of just me BSing these people like and interacting. And sometimes they like that more. So then you're like, well, what am I doing that, that I'm getting better reactions from material that I've been working on for five years, you know, and I'm getting better, you get better responses from when I'm not even doing any jokes. I'm just doing, you know, crowd work and I'm calling them out and I'm improvising. But that's where there's magic too, because you're like, that's where it's like true improv is like, you're just like inventing this incredible scenario and scene that wasn't there until they sat down and they feel it, you feel it and everyone it's, it's fun, you know? Yeah. What I hear in that is like, you know, a lot of when you, when you first start doing stand up, it's about you. And what you're talking about is the experience of doing stand up where it's about us in this room together tonight. Yeah. It's got, there has to be a connection. I think that, that, that in the beginning you forget that like, it's not just you delivering the material and them either responding to it or not so mm-hmm. the audience. It's not the, the audience isn't there just to either respond or not respond. Like once you like, realize that like both parties have to be participants in it, because audiences like, like, like zone out and they just do their own thing. But the more you can sort of meet that hybrid where you're involved and they're involved and, but they didn't want to be involved, but you got them involved. Like mm-hmm. you tricked them to getting involved, you know? Like, you- oh, by the way, you paid to be here and I'm going to trick you to give a shit about why. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what makes it so fun is that you, cause you, you know, they went in with a certain expectation. You went in with a certain expectation and you let go of the control of saying I was going to do joke a and joke B and joke C always kills. And I was going to do D, but you did get joke a and you did joke B and it didn't work. So they're not mm-hmm. aware of all that. So you got to scrap that whole thing and that agenda. And then they feel you scrap it. And then they're like, Oh, uh Oh, it was like, this was a perfect example. It was in Milwaukee. It was headlining at the laughing tap. And it was like the host went up, you know, nothing was really, working for her and then a uh, feature went up and then nothing was really working. And I was like, I'm not doing any material. I just like went up. I'm like, I'm not telling any jokes. I'm like, you guys are lame. You're tight. I'm like, we're going to talk about you guys. I'm like you. And I just started like doing like called the like, call out a guy in the front row. We started talking about him and his bladder. He got up like four times. And then next thing you know, <laughs> the next person's bladder and then their <laughs> life. And, you know, it was like 20 minutes gone by and I hadn't done any jokes, so to say, but the, but it, but, people were laughing, you know, and it was like the whole room flipped and it was, it was so fun to watch. Cause it was like, you're scared. Cause you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> like what if, what, what, the, what are these people who are paying me going to think if I just go up here and bomb, but then you just trust yourself and you, you know, you, you're like, no, he's in your head. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I got this, but I'm watching myself dig myself out of this hole that I put myself into. Yeah. That's a lot of self-awareness too. Like I think one of the reasons, 
you have to read the room. People don't, mm-hmm. you know. I find comedians so fascinating. And I think it's in part because in order to see the world in a certain light, you kind of have to, as a comedian, be willing to look at everything sideways and a little bit upside down and a little, like really dig into the dumbest shit. Like, why is this grocery store totally different than that grocery store, even though they're the same brand? Right. Um, what makes comedy important to you? Like, why should people give a shit about laughing? Um, I, I don't know. I think, um, I, 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 it's not really like a simple answer. Like, I think I look at it way more like existentially than I probably let off, like with some, especially with some of my material, but like, I guess my hope is, and this is why I do it, but I guess my hope is, is and what I'm like hoping that like people get out of it and mm-hmm. like, they feel it's the same way with like yoga. It's like, right. It's like that moment to just stop and like slow down and be like, Oh my God, like look at all these things I've done, like, and I've accomplished. And it's like that moment to just sort of like take inventory of like, and like let go for a second and like live in the moment, you know, you're like, Oh man, I'm breathing. Like I didn't even know I had breath. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my back is tight. I didn't, what did I do? Why did, how did I let my back get this tight? You know, or, Oh my God, it felt so good to sit still. I haven't just sat down for like a, a month. And then so you, you get through all these like revelations in like a short one hour or 40, whatever minute, 40 minute yoga session. And when you start to like write material, that's like relevant to people and people connect with. And, and, and like, and like, that's the hope is that like with, with these, with material that, that I hope that I convey in the material is that like people are having those moments too, where they're like, Oh my God, like I, totally never thought of this little stupid thing this way or oh that's so true like and and hopefully and like hopefully there's like a sense of relief for them not just a laugh like there's always the cliche like oh i forgot about my problems for an hour but like to actually like step back and be allow themselves to be surprised about Mm -hmm. how how maybe pent up they were or how much they hadn't laughed and needed to mm-hmm. and that's what I going back to like I was saying earlier about like what like with personal training like what am I doing that's so unique that they can't get somewhere else so like starting to try to really just deliver that product of like what can I put out there that like is really going to get them so excited and so ramped up or laugh so hard and I think they with that approach like and then when you do it and you deliver it and you get the response and you get them on board that hopefully they have that like re- revelation moment where they're like, Oh my God, like I need to do this more. Like I need to get out and I need to watch this guy. Like he made me laugh so hard. He didn't have a joke about anything. And he went up there and you're talking about his bladder. And next thing you know, it turned into her bladder. And then it was this thing about this guy's dating life and their marriage. And it was just like watching a movie and, you know, and like get them so excited that they're like about like what comedy could be for them that either, maybe they hopefully think of something in their own life that like, maybe like they've been like, you know what, why can't I do something? Maybe, maybe it's a different job or maybe they want to try comedy, you know, whatever it is, but just to mm-hmm. hopefully get people it, it's cause it's, 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 it's addicting because it's, it's positivity and it's like, it's, there's an ability to make it a chain reaction to then sort of like have other people ignite that in their own lives. So it's not just, that you made them forget for an hour, but that you hopefully are, they're going to be pushed to a call and an action in their own life that you can actually motivate people to like, not only laugh and be happier than they were before they saw you, but then to hopefully go out after and like maybe find some other new joy in their own life. I don't know if that's yeah. like, it's a big well, expectation for a drunken comedy club, but no, but I think, you know, there's these moments that we have in our lives that are pure joy or pure presence or pure possibility. And I think that that's what I heard in what you were saying is that what, that's what you really look forward to is the transcendence from, oh, like I'm performing, sitting here at this comedy show to I am with these people. These people are with me and we are having a human experience together for the next 45 minutes. Yeah. The connection is huge. Because it's so easy to be nervous and so easy to go up with an agenda 
that you forget that like the best way to get people to laugh is to disarm them. Like instead well, of, yeah. you know, be like, Oh, here's this, you know, whatever fart joke that I have that's been killing everywhere. Right. But the, that's what I've tried to do lately is like, before I even tell a joke is try to go up and connect with the audience, whether that's like, you know, crowd work or calling out how they're, what they're responding and what they're not responding to or how they are, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they are collaboratively like, it's weird how audiences are. They're usually like one collaborate mind. Like it's either they're hot and they're going to laugh at everything or they're cold and they're not laughing at anything or they're somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Or it's like a divided room. It's like a house divided. One group over here is loving it and one room, the rest of it's tight. So the more you find like, how can I connect to everyone? Like, what can I do to address this and, and find that common ground first Mm-hmm. And that becomes the challenge, you know? So back to like where you currently are in your comedy career and where you want to go, you said you noticed a bunch of patterns. What's the pattern that you've noticed that like you, so you can use it to your advantage? I don't know that there's patterns that I can use to my advantage. I, I know like with like certain um, like festivals or, you know, um, like sort of credentials or, or, or credits that I was like, Oh, I, how do I, how do I get that? Mm-hmm. The, the like revelations have been like, you already have to have something usually cooking or a credit elsewhere before those things are even going to happen. So it's allowed me to, to be like, I'm not even going to bother like trying to go after X over here when like you look at like everybody who's getting these things that are over here that are like, it's because of the other thing that they did. So it's sort of like, it's like circumstantial, you know, it's like a lot of times you can't really get like say agent X until you have credential A, B, C, and D. I had a really big agent actually tell me, he's like, it's not the right time for us yet. And I was like, my I was like, am I, should I be insulted by that? And my friend's like, I would be really happy. He was really honest. You know, like he's like, he reps like all these huge names that are all in movies, all in TV. He said he loved your clip, but he was honest with you. And he's like, it's not the right time for us yet. So, but I didn't know this. It was just, this is a referral from someone in comedy who's been like my number one support since I started. And she was trying to help me and connected me with this, this big name agent. And I was like, well, maybe I should be depressed about this. Cause now like, he just like rejected me. But I was like, well, wait a minute. Well, look at all the good that just came out of that. He loved the clip. And he also said, it's not the right time. So the thing that, that I've become okay with like learning is a lot of these like things that like in the beginning used to, you know, used to, you know, I used to infatuate with like, oh, I gotta get an agent. I gotta get a manager. I gotta do these things. It's like, those things don't come until you have something else that's like you've, you've accomplished mm-hmm. so like once. And then once you get those things that are accomplished, they usually find you. So it's like, instead of getting stressed about like, Oh, I didn't get X. I didn't get Y, or I didn't get to do this festival or I didn't get to see, be seen by so-and-so it doesn't matter because that's what I've learned. Like the dynamic is that like you're, you could still get it, but it's not common it's, it's, it's usually like 95% of the time is like when you have accomplished something else and then they kind of scoop and claim you, you know, it's kind of like, um, to put it for like in a really simplistic way, it's like when nobody wants to date you and then you become very popular in high school and all of a sudden like everybody was like, Oh my God, I got a popular guy or a popular girl. That's a lot like comedy. <laughs> like, Wait, did that happen to you? Did, were you like the nerd that nobody wanted oh, to date no. and then all of a sudden everyone wanted I'm, to date I'm you? I was never a nerd in high school. I was not super popular. And then my senior year, I was like one of the most popular kids in school. But um, I wouldn't say like people were like dying to, to date me. I don't think that's ever been the, okay. <laughs> that's <been> the case. <laughs> that's been a pretty good constant since, since I've been alive. Um, but so it, it's... <laughs> But you think about it and you're like, oh man, that's so dumb. Like comedy is so stupid, but it's like, that's, that's how literally everything works. Like, and, yeah. and people who deny it are just, you're lying. Like, cause look at like 
okay, look at social media, right? You have like, I could be writing brilliant things that I work on for hours and jokes and stuff that I was like, so like near to me and I'm proud of it. And it may get like, you know, 10 likes or whatever. It'll get like mm-hmm. some traction or whatever. Right. And then, you know, nobody will share it or, you know, it'll just go off in the abyss and then I'll throw it in my act and it'll work well. And it'll be like a cool joke that I now tell. Right. Then you can take like a celebrity, say it's like, I don't know, Chappelle or somebody, some, a big comic could put something that's not even like earth shattering, just like a status update. And it's like four bazillion likes people are, all sharing it, but like people who are your own family members and own closest friends that won't even share your own stuff. It's because we like to share and we like to support people who are already there, like that are already up here. They don't realize that like part of it is also sharing and supporting on the way up. Mm -hmm. So we love for whatever we're just, we're just hardwired to like support people who, and who are already at this certain level. Yep. And that's what the business does. And that's what Hollywood does is that like, once you've already gotten something, you know, how many people do you see that do like late night or they do whatever. And then they have a manager like immediately. You know? I don't know. It, it happens a lot, you know? Oh, okay. Maybe not. Maybe they don't get a manager, but, but you get probably get a lot more bookings because you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. well, they did Conan, you know, now your bookings open up. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where, like on the one hand, you have to be super responsible for what happens. You have to be super responsible for how much work you put in, what shows you get, what like who you're networking with, how you go about it. And on the other hand, you kind of have to wait for so-and-so on high to elevate you and pull you up with them. Right. And sometimes it happens not in a normal way. Maybe it's like, you know, you maybe do comedy for like a year and some celebrity sees you and fluffs you up and then takes you with them on the road. And that's, that's another path. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this is like the end all be all of paths. This is usually how it works. You know, it's like, it's just, it's time <laughs> under tension, like a muscle, like in a plank. It's like, you're just holding that plank and hoping during this period of time under tension, like grinding might well, like shows trying to run your life. Like you said, don't get fat, do all these things. You're worrying about these things on your plate. And eventually something comes along and like, oh, by the way, we're going to, we're going to have you do X. And you're like, oh, okay. And it does. I mean, as far as, for as annoying and un- undemocratic as comedy can sometimes seem, I am a true firm believer that longevity and tenure do lead to opportunities, even if you're not great. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the more you stay in something, the more you're like, I think most people grow whether they intend to or not. Like, I firmly believe that you are going to grow and change and be a human being, what, like, whether or not that is your goal. And so the choice is to grow in the way that you want to, or grow in the way that happens to you. Um, And I think that's all you're saying is like, the more you put time in, the harder you work at some of this stuff, it's very likely that you will grow in the way that you want to grow. Right. And less likely that you will grow in the way that you don't want to. And that's why it's frustrating when people like comics are like eager to sort of jump and be like, well, how did he get that? I deserve that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. there's no need for this mentality of like you deserve or he deserves. It's like, first of all, like, you're missing an opportunity to grow. You're missing an opportunity to get better. And that goes back to like what I was saying, stop paying attention to what other people are doing. Start paying attention to what you're doing. Get so much better and so much, so so good at what you're doing that you're not paying attention to what anybody else is doing. And then when you just continually put that work in, there's sort of like, it's like there's room for everybody at the table, but I don't think comics like to look at it that way. They kind of look at it like there's like a two seater that like is only going to open. And then the, the portal is forever closed. It's like this <laughs> portal is like open all the time. It's like a Chili's there's seats everywhere. You just got to kind of like shut up, do put your head down, wait till the thing buzzes you to, re- you know, your table's right. And yeah. show up. You know, just keep showing up, keep going up, keep doing it, keep getting better, keep getting really good and things are going to keep happening. But if you're not, if you don't have that work ethic and and that scares you and you don't want to work and you want instant gratification and it doesn't bring you joy and it doesn't bring you happiness every time you perform, 
then you, people should absolutely quit. Like there's, yeah. there's no need to stay in something that's going to make you, this is not, I understand why people quit. There's a I lot mean, of yes that goes into it. Like it's kind with, of like a 10 year unpaid internship. Yeah. And even if, and even if it's not that long, like then you finally start making money and then you're like, that's another, that's a motivator. Money motivates me to be like, Oh, I'm making money now. Like doing this. Like I don't have to just do suffer and through another bachelorette party for free. Like I can get paid to yell at them and make fun of them. And like, you know, like it's, it's, you know, not that many jobs in America. Can you walk home with a few hundred dollars at the end of a weekend for like, being like you're an idiot, you know, like, you, you know, that's, there's some justice in the world. And that's what I feel like comedy <laughs> is like, there's, it, it gives you like some sense of like people are paying attention and they're listening and there's some sort of like justice to like, I can either, you know, cause I, I get to share what I think and mm-hmm. people get on board with what you think it's, you know, it's a good feeling. Yeah. I think sometimes when you talk about comedy as a scene, um, especially in Chicago, one of the things that I keep hearing is this idea that there's only so much, only so many places, only so many, whatever. And it's such a scarcity mindset. It's this mindset of like eat or be eaten. Um, but when I think the women in Chicago were totally different in a, in a lot of ways where we were just like, when I was doing it, so supportive of each other, you put on a showcase, we'll put on a showcase. Like, just keep it and keep ri- a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. Um, who is that for you? Mm. I don't know that I've got like people. I think I've got some support of some of the people who run the clubs now, you mm-hmm. know, that are like in my corner and like what I'm doing and give me work, you know, so that's a rising tide lifts all boats because yeah. <laughs> you're going to bring people into their club. It's not, it's not all the time though. So that's, that's, that's you know, it's, it's more than it ever was. Um, you know, which is nice, but I mean, that, but that also took a long time, you know, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of patience and t- a lot of waiting and a lot of headaches and heartache and, you know, those moments pass, you know, and you got to, yeah. you know, well, and it's also the relationship too. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I do appreciate that I've developed some really good relationships with some of the people that are in charge of all this stuff because it's it's like then you you see that they they do really want you to succeed. Um, not everybody, and that's normal. You're not going to have a you know you're not going to have your cake and eat it too every time. I understand that, um, you know, but it, it is it is for sure nice to to have like you you feel like you have that. Um, but again, sometimes like, you know, there, so like in the scarcity sense, like I understand why so- sometimes comics feel that way because there is a limitation as far as like clubs, like there's only really three clubs. And if you can count the improv and Schomburg, that's four in and, Chicago. Yeah. And that's like 5,000 comics all trying to get the same three spots, you know? <laughs> You know what I mean? So, yeah, but like, really, how many of those comics could actually hold up under those spots? Maybe not 200. a lot. But a lot think they can. So then you end up fighting through that, like you're wading through the water because they have, like, the clubs have to decide that for themselves. Like, you can't go to the club and be like, "So and so is gonna bomb. Don't hunt, you know? Don't don't bring them." <laughs> like they let they think they're ready. Like comics always will think they're ready, and there's not a lot of self-introspection to just be okay with admitting, be like, you know what? I'm not that good. <laughs> well, it's just okay to admit that if you're not, you know, you just say, I mean, I, was, I wasn't that good. You know, like, <laughs> okay. and be like, am I really that good? You know, it's like, you know, that's why the, sometimes I go to these, like, you know, the, the showcases at Zany's, you know, they have like, they're pretty easy to get on, you know, cause you can, it's kind of like up and coming people and they give a lot of opportunities to new people and, you know, you see this person that's just running their mouth all day on social media, like, oh, I'm killing it. I'm just destroying everywhere. And it's like, then they go up and then you're just like, you just see this like look of humble in their eyes. Like, oh, that was, you know, that was a lot of, that was a lot of silence <laughs> for this mm-hmm. back room, you know? And it's not that you're, oh, I'm like delighting in it. It's just like, you need that. That's why I miss jokes and notes. Jokes and notes was the, the ultimate humbler, you know? 
especially if you're a white <laughs> comic going out of the south side and you're like the only white person in a room full of two three hundred black people and you think you're the shit and you go and up if you can't make those if you can't make the people on the south side laugh you're not funny oh, man you would i mean it was ruthless because it was like you get booed off stage you get the music turned on you and if you don't have thick skin like that can ruin your month and your year, you know, like going up and getting booed off stage. I mean, it was like <laughs> Night of the Apollo, like, oh, get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> like, you see people like this look in their eye, like they are just done forever now after this, you know. Did you get booed? Uh, never got booed. I think Mary turned the music on on me one time because I went, I was about to go over and the place was like, out of control that night and she's like I was protecting you because you're featuring this weekend I don't need you getting in your head it's <laughs> <laughs> like they were wild anyway it was worthless tonight like she was just like they were a terrible crowd she's like I just wanted you to get off stage and to be done because it's there was no point in you being up there um, but nobody really did well that night anyway so I was like she's right they're just out of control tonight is it do you ever find yourself like taking a step back and going, Oh, that was a, that was a saving grace moment. Like you thought you didn't get it. You thought something didn't work out, but it actually turned out to be better for you. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe once I was, um, approached to do this show. I'll, I'll take, take a message for me. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to do this TV show and then I was like really excited because I thought I was going to be on it and then it didn't happen like it just nothing was ever really explained it just sort of dissipated and I was really bummed and then like a month later I got to headline Zanies and then that just was like such like a like a boost you know and then that sort of just gave me this different level of confidence I think to then spring load me to a current situation which i can't really say because i don't know if it's going to happen or not but um to another situation um which may be another saving grace so we'll we'll see in a couple months but um those are probably it Mm. what's it like to have things in your back pocket that might happen but you can't talk about them but you really want to but you can't it's actually really fun because it like it it not only like excites you, but it's like the secret project that you're preparing for that. Like you don't really care if people know about you, maybe share it with like, you know, close friends or family. Um, and it gives you, I think, I think it's given me a different level of confidence to be like, like, even if it doesn't, the fact that I'm even in a position to be in this position is so friggin' exciting. Cause you're like, well, yeah, it might not happen right now, but the fact that I'm even being, that I'm in this position to be considered, even if it doesn't work out, it's mm-hmm. not like, it's not like I don't trust myself that like, you know, in a few more months that I wouldn't have another opportunity and that I might be considered, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it sounds like the people who go to the Oscars and they're like, it's just an honor to be nominated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like that person's probably eventually going to be nominated, you know, for something else. Unless you're Leo. It might take you 30 years, but, you know, even though you deserved it 27 other times. But um, Wait, Leo Leo DiCaprio hasn't won an Oscar yet? Not until, I think it was The Revenant. Uh, oh, the one where he was the bear. They were just like screwing him, like the, the Hollywood. Like I think you keep touching your computer, and I'm hearing mic yeah. noise. Stop I, touching your computer. I'm really sitting still. <laughs> not like I'm sit still. Don't move. Or something. <laughs> um. So, what's something that you've seen, or like advice that other people have given you? that you have experienced as pure garbage advice that people have given me. That's pure garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, be at every mic, every night of the week, every day for the rest of your life. It's the only way you're going to get better. <laughs> if we don't see you out, it means you're not working. It's just, this is just such BS. Cause it's like, it's like someone ahead of you 
decided that that was the way and then declared it as the way. And all these other like poor sheep like lashed on because the elder herdsman said it was the way when there was, but there's like no backup to show that that that's even is successfully works. Maybe like one person did it that way. And they're like, well, that's the way you got to do it. You can't replicate and you can't Xerox someone's success, you know, and, and, and I'm finally like understanding now, like all these like other comics have always be like, you know, you can't follow someone else's success path. You have to create your own. And I totally mm-hmm. agree with that. And I hate hearing that. And I hate those words even came out of my mouth, but it is kind of true. <laughs> you, you individualize your journey and be like, well, what is going to happen for me? How am I going to do it? How, what's going to be my story and how I did it and how, and it's just the way it is. Like you, you're running your own show. You're running your own business. You're on, you're the CEO. You're the product. You're the advertisement team. You're everything. You know, and mm-hmm. you have to decide like, what am I? How am I going to make? How am I going to make this successful? And then, yeah, when you learn like that, what you're doing is working. You know, and then you start to follow it. And you're like, oh, I didn't need to do. Like, I didn't do every open mic. I purposely avoided open mics. Most open mics that were popular because it was like. I was going in there and I would feel bad about, I, was, I would, I tried it. I was like for the, for the second or third year. I went to Coles every week. I went to open mics every night and I was like visibly and like mentally burned out and depressed. I felt worse about myself. I was bombing left and right. And then as soon as I went to an open mic that wasn't loaded with comics, I was killing. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I just don't comics. Just don't think I'm funny. Cause probably cause I, have confidence and I relate to myself and I'm not miserable, you know? So it's like, we go to like <laughs> mics with people. So I started like going to like open for improv groups or I'd go to like an improv show or I'd go to like a variety show and people were laughing. And I was like, this is my, where I feel like I'm having fun. It's not just miserable people laughing at suicide or dead dad jokes or whatever. It's like actual, you know, really it's like material. Not that, that you can't make that stuff material, but like, usually go to a club that stuff doesn't fly, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so I think that's garbage advice is to just blindly go to every open mic. And if you're not out every night, so-and-so is watching you and you're not working. It's like, who's so-and-so, where are they? And who decides what, who decides what my work ethic is, but me, like, I know when I'm being lazy and I know when I'm not, and it doesn't, I don't need to answer to anybody. Like I don't need to check in with the scene and be like, hey guys, I clocked in. Here I am at Coles with my third PBR. It must mean I'm grinding. You know, it's like no, <laughs> you showed up. You know, it's really like, what's in the substance of what you're doing? How are you pushing yourself? Are you doing any new jokes? How many comics did I never see at Jokes and Notes? Yeah, you know, I mean, Jokes and Notes is. I can count on my hand how many comics from the North Side I saw over the six years that I worked there. It's like four. <laughs> and are they working as com- comedians now? A lot of them, the ones- of them moved. Like one or two went on, did really good things. And then the other ones I haven't seen since they probably got booed off stage. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of people purposely avoided it because they'd be like, oh, it's too far or it's too dangerous. It's like all these excuses. Oh, that's racist. That's right. just fucking racist. Right. So it's like you're posting online about, you know, race stuff but then you're not going to come to bronzeville because it was too dangerous it's like okay no maybe you just want to get humbled (laughs) i mean either either way like you're just maintaining your experience and maintaining your privilege it's not really um i don't know i think that there's a lot of being willing to fail and being willing to suck that goes into success yeah you gotta try you have to experiment and you have to break out of your comfort zones. If you're just going to mics where you feel comfortable and you kill and you're the big fish, great. But like you're you're never really growing. Right. You know. So as we wrap up, um, what help do you need? To keep, to keep going, you mean? Yeah, like how can someone help you right now? What would be supportive for you? Let's say for whatever reason somebody interesting is like helpful can support you right now. Hmm. I'm not sure um, if there's a, if there is anything other than just uh, 
you know, coming to shows, supporting my comedy, you know, when I post stuff on social media, sharing it, um, Mm -hmm. word of mouth is obviously the best, you know, unless there's like some secret manager that's listening to this podcast that wants to, you know, help elevate me. (laughs) Like, I don't think there's really beyond those things, you know, that's probably about it. You know, it's like, I, I think I'm doing all the work and the, you know, the behind the scenes stuff that I think I'm doing everything I can be doing. Yeah. Well, I think that what you're pointing to, like sharing your social media stuff and coming to shows is one of the things that people don't do a lot of. Um, they're like, Oh, Anthony's doing his comedy. That's so great for Anthony. Good for him. Scroll, scroll, scroll. I'll like this meme. Scroll, scroll, scroll. I'll share, uh, Nikki Glazer's post about, you know, BJ, whatever. whatever, who knows? It's like, okay, she doesn't need any more help. <laughs> you know, she's good. Yeah. It's, it doesn't hurt anybody to share what other people are up to. That's why I always, I, I, you can always tell a lot by where a comedian's head is at when they share and like will fluff up a, a fellow comic is that they are confident in themselves. Mm-hmm. If they're not, they just see you as competition. <laughs> they're like, I can't. I mean, <sighs> Uh, don't even get me started. Okay. The last question I have for you is how will you know when you succeeded? Hmm. I mean, I think I already have, I mean, I think I came into this and I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was doing improv and I was like, Oh, I want to try stand up. And then next thing I was doing like a rising star thing at Zany's and it did really well. And then I was like, okay, I guess that was fun. And then I didn't get to do it for like a year. And then I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I, I want to, you know, I mapped out like a whole thing of like what I wanted to do. You know, I was like, I want to work at Zanies. I want to work at clubs. I want to travel to do comedy. I want to get an agent. You know, I want to, um, you know, I want to headline. I want to be able to improvise during my sets. I want to, you know, you know, do all these things. And it's like, I've, I've done most of those things already. Um, so now it's like setting these new parameters, like, what do I want to do next and setting those? And then, you know, at least I'm now like at the point where I'm aligning myself to conquer those things. And then when Mm -hmm. things happen, I'm sure I'll have a new set of things and then a new, let me ask you this. Do you intend to stay a personal trainer the rest of your life? I don't know that I'm going to be able to, I think it'll eventually something's going to have to like, you know, I'm going to have to stop one of these things. Cause I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to sustain both careers side by mm-hmm. side. Um, I mean, I think I'll, I think fitness will always be a part of my life and I'll always continue to train myself the way that I would train my clients. And maybe I'll still stick with some clients. Maybe I'll like, maybe keep like a few or something. Um, especially now with like the ability to do everything virtually, it's just easy. Oh my God. Like I used to work. You know what you should, you should, you know what you should do? You, you should pitch a show of like where you are the trainer tr- physically training comedians, like a reality show. I would watch the shit out of that. Like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we, had a, like, we had a show idea for an open mic where we're like the, the, uh, the amount of minutes that you can do is determined by how many push ups you can do. And I was like, no, nope, <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> There'd be like three comics that would have like, you know, maybe 20 minutes. Like two or three. The other podcast show idea I have is to like find a comedian or two and uh, have single people pitch themselves to me, the life coach and the comedian. Pitch Just themselves like, to, for you to go like, out with or to? No, like why, why are they like, why are they? Here, listen, this is a, this is a way for you to like share who you are and get dates. <laughs> Pitch yourself. And you plug and you plug them. Yeah, and like the comedian asks whatever questions that they have. I just think it'd be really funny. Oh yeah, anything like that, like dating games or you know type game is always entertaining. Okay, back to success. So one or the other, you're you're assuming you'll have to choose. Yeah. Um. Or it won't, or it'll just be something where. I f- I'm a firm believer in like everything just sort of naturally will work itself out, you know, like mm-hmm. figure it out as, as it happens, you know, like that was my big thing was like, and you know, somebody said to me recently, they're like, 
you know, don't move, you know, let one of these cities come to you. And that mindset really helped me because I was like, that's true. It's like, why do you want to yeah, go like more competitive city? Like, let something happen. Let you accomplish something that promotes and provokes you to move. That way you're mm-hmm. not like really starting it all over again. You're going with something in your hand to be like, oh, I've got this thing, though. This is going to be the thing that leads me to, you know, the next level. Yeah. Okay. So you'll have moved. <laughs> You'll have, <laughs> that's how potential. Well, okay. One last question. Um, what is something for you that you wish other people had like, no, that's not the question I want to ask. How do, how do we, how do you want to be remembered? Oh God, my, it sounds like I'm, this is my, uh, it is. I'm going to play this at your funeral. Yes. <laughs> Put up a Google, a Google news alert for you, huh. and then I'm going to keep this clip Man for of Anthony Bonazzo. I know I want to be remembered in common. Remembered, or yeah, like it's known or seen as. Um, I guess somebody that was like, like helpful, funny, and kind, but like, you know not an ass, I guess, you know, there's so many, I think, I think I basically just try to do the opposite of what I got on the way up. It wasn't a lot of help. It was a lot of rude people and, you know, judgmental or like, Hey, this is the only way. And I just try to like show that like, you can actually be nice to people, still work, still be happy for other people's accomplishments, even if they're greater than anything you you've gotten and trust that your time is going to come and stay humble, keep working hard and like be funny and keep pushing yourself, keep challenging yourself. Cause we're never really, that's the thing too about Chicago is like the comedy scene is, is like, it's like this open gym. We're just training for something bigger. And it's like almost like a couple people like are like, well, I got my chest bigger and I did 10 push-ups. So like forever, I'm just going to do show people my chest and these 10 push-ups. It's like, well, why don't you work on your arms and why don't you work on your legs and why don't you work on your balance and why don't you work on your cardio? Like there's so many different things you could be constantly challenging. You're like maybe you take a voiceover class, maybe you take an acting class, maybe you take improv. God forbid. I know stand up for some reason this is this weird thing with stand-ups and improv, but it's like shows when they don't have anything but their set, you know? Mm-hmm to take voice lessons, learn how to sing, take jujitsu, something completely unrelated, like challenge yourself to be always getting better and improving because this is the training ground. So when you leave here, you are the best possible package and version of yourself that is just going to be unstoppable wherever you go. Because when you go there next, chances are someone didn't train that hard or maybe they did. And, and, And you're right up to par with the competition. You know, it's just like, People just get comfortable. It's like, don't get comfortable. Stay uncomfortable. Push yourself. Like for myself, like recently I've started like challenging myself to like do something I used to do in the beginning, which was impressions. And I was like, well, then comics are like, oh, impressions are hack. But then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Impressions are really friggin' hard. And people actually (laughs) like impressions. You know, people get hired on Saturday Night Live because they can do impressions. So like I've started like Uh get over that and start doing impressions again. I was like, I want to start singing. And so I start singing during my sets. Like I'm challenging and I'm like, I don't even think I would ever trust myself to do that. You know, and it's like, it feels so good because it's like, it's scary at first. But then you're like, that's what all of this should be is just like casting that fear aside and just trusting yourself, your talent and what you're doing and chronically and constantly be growing and getting better because that's not only is it good for you as an, like, isn't from an individual level, but that is really what goes back to the beginning of the conversation. That that's what sets you apart. Mm-hmm. You got all these things that you're doing. Like you can do impressions, you can do improv, you can host, you can headline, you can feature, you can do a quick guest spot, like whatever you want to just be so versatile that people remember you and you will have access to anything you want to do. And, you know, it's just that's 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 what I try to aspire to is just to make sure that like when people go see a comedy show, like they're gonna remember that. They're gonna remember me. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. Thank you so much for doing this podcast. Thank you for having um, me. Um how do 
like remind people where do they find you? Where can they? It's really mostly like, just Instagram. It's just at comedian trainer. I mean, uh-huh. Twitter at Bonazzo 31. I don't use it a lot, a lot. I'm more on Instagram. I feel like I have, I feel like Instagram's more like my up to my speed. You know, people mm-hmm. seem to like engage with my stuff and I seem to get followers. TikTok, you can follow me at same thing, comedian trainer. That's just more videos that I end up sharing on Instagram anyway. <laughs> That's also a weird entity in itself because it's like you're this like middle aged man in the midst of this like what what people find funny on that app is like uh, mind boggling. I'm like, I'm watching some of these videos. It's like, I got like 10 million likes that are viral. And I'm like, I don't understand why that's funny. It's like, <laughs> it's like a trend of like a sneaker being filmed on the ground. I'm like, isn't that funny? It's the sneaker trend. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. You just don't get it. Cause you're old. I'm like, okay, well go tell that joke at a club and let me know how it goes. <laughs> like, <laughs> find out really quickly. You'd never want to do comedy again after you tell that sneaker story. Okay. Any shows you want to plug? Um, nothing really big coming up. I, I'm going to be at Zany's Old Town weekend of September 10th, I believe. And then okay. for one night um, featuring opening for um, Jessica Kirsten, who's phenomenal on uh, October 16th in Old Town as well. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Go see uh, Anthony at Zany's. And thank you so much. Thank you. This is Not Advice is brought to you by me, Erin Conlin. If you are interested in learning more about my coaching practice or how we might be able to work together, please visit erinconlin.com. This podcast would not have happened without production support from Cedar Cathedral Narrative Studio. 